You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. Hey guys, my name is Matt Langston. I am a music producer, a mix engineer, and an avid unicorn enthusiast. And I would like to invite you over to my podcast, Eleven D Life. On Eleven D Life, we get to talk to your favorite artists, producers, and creators about what makes them tick. We take deep dives into where they get their juiciest inspirations from and how they keep from being cynical about all of it. We even get to pull back the curtain on my band, Eleven D Seven, and share some fun insider tips and tricks for our fellow bandmates and creators out there. So be sure to check out Eleven D Life right here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network and wherever you get your favorite shows. This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and we are here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. For more shows like this one, go to rockcandyrecordings.com. In this episode, I speak with my really good friend, Brother Castello. Now, this episode was originally intended to be on my patrons-only podcast, House of Heretics, but about halfway through, we decided that it would be better on the main show. So it is a slightly different format, um, but I hope you enjoy this conversation. Brother Castello is an old Catholic, and he and I come from two very different perspectives on God, the supernatural, the nature of the world— And yet we have somehow managed to forge this fantastic friendship. I think part of the reason why is because we have the same goals. We both want to see other people flourish. We both want to see humanity improve. We both want the best for each other and for the world. And we are often maligned by people on the religious right. And so even though Brother Castello and I disagree on a lot, I feel like we are united on the most important things. So in this episode, we talk about the upcoming election and um, how we can get through it and how we can maintain peace through difficult times. We also discuss Pope Francis and his recent statements about homosexuality, and we discuss rituals that help to center us. But before we get to my conversation with Castello, I have to thank my patrons. As always, my patrons are my personal lords and saviors, and I really couldn't do this without them, especially now, because I'm working considerably less and making less money. So this week, I have to thank Donald, Champlu, Anya, Bethany, and Brock. Thank you so much, and I so appreciate it. For those of you who might want to join their number, please go to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long for a dollar a month or $5 a month. You will get extra content every week, especially my House of Heretics podcast with Timothy the Pastor. 
Now, there are other ways to support this show. If you're unable to financially give right now, don't worry. I completely understand. Times are really rough right now. So one of the best ways to support this show is to just leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Another great way to support this show is to just subscribe wherever you are on whatever app you're listening to. Please subscribe. That tells our digital overlords to recommend it to others. And finally, this show is sponsored by thesatanictemple.tv. Go to thesatanictemple.tv and at checkout, use my promo code SACREDTENSION, all caps, no space, for one month free. All right. Well, with all of that out of the way, I now give you my conversation with Brother Castello. All right. Well, welcome to the House of Heretics podcast, the show where normally Timothy and I drink coffee and talk about bullshit for your listening pleasure. But this time I have a very special guest, uh, Brother Castello, long, old friend of mine. He is a Catholic clergy person. We come from different religious backgrounds. Of course, he's a Satanist. Or no, let me rephrase. I'm a Satanist. He's the Catholic. But uh, we continue to be great friends. He was just passing through town and um, wanted to come by for a conversation. So here we are. Brother Castello. It's great to have you here. We've been talking about doing this for eons. I feel like all my dispensationalist rapture theory friends would appreciate this, but... um, I feel like people don't know what that means. Right. People right. aren't going to know what that Look means. Look it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> but basically, I feel like uh, that this is going to be done after Christ's return that we were putting it. We put it off like eight times. We put it off eight times and we just kept having to like reschedule over the course of two years almost. But so, so much is this is this is the year. This is the year to do it because so much has happened. Yep. I, I just saw a meme the other day it was like reptilian overlords uh apologize resetting the the uh simulation back to 2015 just wanted to see how he would react (laughs) right anyway um so first i have to thank my patrons as always you are all so amazing to be supporting me through this pandemic because my finances are pretty fucked right now I am working less. I'm not teaching yoga. And so truly every little bit helps. And so I am enormously grateful, like for real, the money from my patrons, it's going to really practical stuff like paying the electric bill and yeah. and feeding my cats. Essentials, girl. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it, uh, basic- your, your power bill is an essential worker. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, you know... It really is like all the money from Patreon right now really is just going to like getting groceries, feeding my cats, paying the bills, paying the mortgage. And so I just have to start this by thanking all of you again. You're amazing. My own personal lords and saviors. And I couldn't do this without you. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, Castello, we... (laughs) So several weeks ago, you came by my store. Actually, we had a moment. We had a moment. And my mother, bless her heart. So I've made this rule to never talk about my family in public. Um, but this is behind a paywall. We're it, among friends, so we can have this conversation. It, it's something that really, I think, will help frame where we're going to head in, in this discussion. But, it, it, you know, I think it'll, it'll help a lot of people. It, we're going to use it as kind of a quasi-parable. Yep. For reflection. Yep. <laughs> exactly. And so you were you and your boyfriend were just blowing through town and we're like, hey, can we drop by your store and chat for a bit? And I was like, yes, of course. So you come by and we're in the office 
you, me, and your boyfriend, and we're just chatting for a bit. And then like a specter, my mother appears in the doorway. <laughs> right. And um, my mother is a very conservative pastor. And Castello is there with his with his boyfriend and his caller. Uh, just to clarify, you might be confused. Castello is of a particular brand of Catholicism, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Yeah, you can. It's not wrong to call me an old Catholic. I just am not representing specifically my denomination yeah. because I may say something a little exactly obscure during that, this interview. That, that's totally fine. And <laughs> so, yeah. So. So he is an old Catholic, which is different from Roman Catholic. Right. L- liturgically very conservative, socially very progressive, mm-hmm. uh, basically. That's so, true. Yeah. That's true. So um, there are many, for people who are confused, there are many, many different ways of being Catholic. And um, and Castello is just one, embodying one of many different ways of being a Catholic. So, yeah. So Castello is sitting there in my office with like his Roman collar on. <laughs> With, or with his with I had his the pest- round one, yeah, yeah, he, he with the collar on, and his boyfriend is there, and my mother is just progressively getting like more triggered as this conversation progresses, and is getting visibly more and more and more comfortable as it dawns on her like what's going on, like oh, Castello is gay. This is his trans boyfriend his trans black boyfriend she was like putting two and two together not not that anyone can tell that your boyfriend is trans actually but right but i think that she was just picking up that that this is a den of sodomy right Mm -hmm. now in the Mm -hmm. office yeah (laughs) and she and, and then it ends with her holding out her hand and very aggressively saying a blessing Mm -hmm. in the name of the father and the son and the Holy Spirit. Which was so interesting to me because um, in that moment, I didn't catch it until later that that was a particular shot at me being Catholic. Yes, it was. It was a particular shot at you. Yeah. And and honestly, she was so triggered because you were wearing the collar. Mm-hmm. That's why she was so, that's why she was so upset. And then she held out her hand d- during this blessing and she made hard eye contact with each one of us and said, on you. And you. And you. <laughs> and you. It was very like, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car, you get a blessing, you get a blessing. It was very like, it was like your mother met the whole Oprah but, manic, charismatic but in, car giveaway moment. But incredibly aggressive. Yeah, and 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 I think what we need to talk about is how I don't I didn't view that moment like I would have five yeah. years ago when I first came out. Yeah, yeah, and um, well, there, so there's a part two to this story. Oh yeah, there is, <laughs> which, which is quite, which is even worse. Where emphatic, you know, about forty five minutes later, you and your boyfriend had gone shopping, and then you were out in front of the store having lunch, and I just went out there to chat a bit more. So I was sitting out there with you guys, and again, like like a wraith, like a specter, she appears in the parking lot. She had come back, and she was walking directly towards us, and I was like, okay, hold on, let me deal with this. And I go up to her and she looks like she had legit seen a ghost. She was so upset. And she says, I need to tell you that your spiritual director. And I was like, he's not my spiritual director. He's a friend. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God. You would not want to handle no, 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 no. handle this. Um, I was like, he's not my spiritual director. And she said, well, I need to tell you that he has a snake inside of him. 
Yeah. And is very dangerous. And let's, let me talk about how I felt about that. And yes, please. First of all, I obviously felt, I used to feel angry, but I felt defensive of the truth in that moment. Hmm. And then, uh, you know, just a few minutes ago, I was trying to reframe and to relive what happened with your mom. And I would say that what's beautiful about it is that, um, in a sense, she's, she was right. For her, hmm. something in me bothered her. So to her, it was a snake yeah. inside of me. And that's where I'm in this whole place of where's the line of self-care for me? Where is the whole I'm going to be hospitable to my enemies, to my persecutors, which I never thought that I would be talking about. This is what p people were persecuting me for, you know. Uh, you being uh, you being a gay clergy person. For who I love. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. bigger than that. It's bigger than my own sexual identity or preference or romantic identity. It's about the fact that uh, my whole life it was, people will persecute you for mm. following Christ, which was, they were going to persecute me if I went and knocked on their door like an evangelical asshole. And the first thing I say when they answer the door is, do you know where you're going to be when you die? Mm. Now I'm being persecuted for who I love. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think that this action, that this story actually like reveals why we have so much in common because we're both, um, even though we are of different religious traditions that on its face seem like they would be at odds with one another, we're actually both outsiders and we're actually both fighting the same fight. You know, mm -hmm. we're both, maybe we have different methods and we have different beliefs and whatnot, but that's fine. We're both on the same side and we're both fighting for equality for the outsider, you know? And I feel like that's why, like when, when people get demonized, we are both demonized at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like we, we are both condemned by the theocrats, you know? Well, what's interesting is that, um, because I don't, I don't want to let this pass by because I think it's significant because one of the first things that you said to me during or after the interaction with your wonderful holy mother. <laughs> and, and just to clarify, yeah, I, the way that conversation ended was, I was like, thanks for telling me. I was just like, what the What else would you what say? What the fuck am I supposed to say? And then, and then she starts crying and she says, please listen to me. And I was like, thanks, yeah. thanks for telling me. And well, then she walked away. You know, and then I come back and I tell you what just happened. There's, a, there's this sense of can we reason with truly, genuinely unreasonable people? Yeah. Is it worth it? Yeah. Ben, you know, that goes back to the whole, the snake in me was her reality, her perception. It wasn't ours, mm -hmm. but it was hers. And is it, is it possible to be hospitable and loving to her? Yeah. Because she is genuinely oppressed by her. Yes. World. You know, I'm really glad that you bring that up, actually, because my, I, I am at the point in my life where I really do see you know whenever someone say on twitter or social media or whatever comes after me and it happens more often now where they're like steven you're you're going to hell you're leading thousands of people astray etc cetera, etc cetera. i i believe that they believe that they're telling the truth right i believe that they believe well and they they've redefined hell for me because if i accept their version of hell hmm. which is where you will be where i will be yeah where the LGBT community will be, mm. where the Black Lives Matter people will be, where all of these great warriors of a greater humanity will be. Mm. 
I think that I think that if we really define hell that way, then uh, then they've they've really inverted and switched everything. I think that uh, I think God's in that hell. Yeah, I think Christ is in Christ hell. is there. Christ because, would be there because I may mean, I may I adjust your mic real fast as long as you don't adjust anything else. There you go. Yeah. So it it's it, it it's for this. It's like this for me. You know, it's like it's like let's just take Pope Francis, who is quite a controversial. Yes. I mean, there we're we are at a time in life, in our society, in, in a global and in a global context where there are probably faithful, good, genuine. Catholics who think that the Pope is probably going to end up in hell. Oh, for sure. Because of who he loves. Right. Unspoken. Do you think he's gay? No. Okay. No, I don't. Oh, you mean because of the kind of people who he is willing to accept? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about uh, Pope Francis because there was some really big news. Yeah, you're right. Um, All right, we're... But the th- here's the thing. I am not personally in the thrall of this pope. Mm-hmm. I I think that he I think that we've had this tendency over the past decade or however long it's been now that he's been pope that where he will say something that sounds super progressive, but in actuality it's it's just kind of a softer reframing of of the catechism of of, of Roman of the Roman catechism. It's it's kind of a softer reframing but is not actually a radical departure from from the Roman Catholic teaching and and I think that people tend to misunderstand that uh, there's a sense to that there's a sense it depends on who you ask because mm. certainly there are people who view it the way that you do yeah the way that I do which is that this is kind of a soft pseudo affirmation of exactly but yeah. th- there's there's a sense that 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 wouldn't be how a conservative Roman Catholic like a Ratzinger Move it up who, which a was the previous there pope who was I, you know if you've seen the two popes you you understand and that I don't I don't care who you are whether you're a satanist a buddhist a muslim or a catholic to see a movie that doesn't necessarily historically historically um present in a flawless manner the identity of Pope Francis and the previous Pope Benedict. But if you want to see a movie that really illustrates the war between two types of ideologies in one organization. Uh, So imagine this. Imagine that you are on a boat with a bunch of sailors, and literally half those sailors are— I'm— 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 I'm hard already. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will not disclose how I how I feel. Um, <laughs> and half of those sailors are y- you have you have a uh, hundred sailors headed toward an island. Hmm. Fifty of them want to go to the island to the left, that is a mile apart from the island on the right. Yeah, that's what it feels like in Roman Catholicism, and. There's such a such a uh, uniformity to who they are in many ways, but some of them want to head to the island on the left, yeah, and some on the right, and that's this that's an illustration of the staunch divide between conservative and liberal Catholics. So a conservative Catholic would say that Pope Francis has absolutely doctrinally offended the church, huh? Yeah. Whereas 
a liberal Catholic would say this is not enough. So what, that's mm. really amazing. That and, is interesting. And I feel I actually feel sorry for Francis because he he is right now unable to uh, satisfy either crowd. Anyone. Yeah, no, that's I, I think you're probably right about that. And also, I mean, there are just limits to what he can say. I mean, there there are just he cannot, as pope, come out against established Catholic teaching. It's that. And I want I also want you to a lot of people wouldn't know this. And I, since this is a small niche crowd that I'm speaking to with because this is your Patreon podcast. Yeah. It's a matter of life and death. I really believe that if the Pope came out today and said that there is no sinful nature to homosexual acts or relationships, that it could get threaten him, his life. Get him killed. And others. You know, I, like look at look at Father James Martin, as wonderful as he is. Yeah. His he would be such a target. And it's mm. it's okay. I think it's okay as large and as ancient as the Roman churches. It's okay to say we're not going to rush into this because people are not ready for this. Yeah, and it could. I mean, that's an interesting perspective that it could actually endanger people's lives. I mean, it, it makes me think of um, uh, Bishop Gene Robinson, who's who is part of the Episcopal Church. Who and the here's the thing you talked earlier about different Catholic expressions. Episcopalians are Catholic. Yes, they they're are. just not Roman. They're just not Roman, exactly. And you know, Bishop Gene Robinson, he had to. He was the first um, publicly gay and gay affirming. Uh, bishop in the Episcopal Church, and he had to wear a bulletproof vest at his confirmation. Really, because there were so many death threats. You're I mean, this was, me. this was I mean, and this was pretty early on. I mean, this was I think back in the nineties, and so it was gay gay acceptance in the church was nowhere near where it is now. Well, well, but look, even look. then, I'm mean, back then he had so many death threats, thousands of death threats against his life. He had a bulletproof vest under his vestments yes yeah let's let's go let's kind of bookmark that let's i want to go back i want to backtrack just a little bit rewind just of course for a second and i want to tell a story my spiritual director who i will not close disclose her name um is a roman catholic nun and she is a great icon of immigration rights Mm. she lives in an apartment that is not far from the convent that she um, ministers to. Because, you know, none, not all nuns live in the convent. Some of them live in their own apartments, and they have their own lives. Uh, she, And one of the most beautiful things about this Roman Catholic nuns convent is that they have retreats for lesbian sisters. That's amazing. Which is great. That is well, great. Well, here's the deal. Here's what's crazy about that and beautiful at the same time is that uh, none of these sisters are going to be sexually involved because of their vow of celibacy. So she went to the sisters one day and said, you know, if you're not sexually involved, if you have a vow of celibacy, why do you desire for there to be even conversations about your LGBT identity, your lesbian identity, or whatever their identity may be. They may be a pansexual or bisexual. And 
what Pope Francis has done ties into this. What Pope Francis has done when you, <laughs> to use a Biden term, when you get past all the malarkey and you let all the noise settle, here's what it's really about. What Pope Francis has done for Christians who are gay and Christians who are distinctly Catholic. The answer that these sisters gave was, we want to be seen. Yeah. We want to be visible. Yeah. We want to be heard. Mm. So right now, what Pope Francis has done at this level of affirming legal civil unions, which is what he's done, he's not comment on on church teaching yes exactly it, he has civil it's purely in the it purely in, the in terms of the law but yeah. he has said i see you mm. i hear you i'm listening you're not invisible yeah i mean look at the invisibility cloak with harry potter mm. that's what so many gay people do mm-hmm. or they try to shove them back themselves back in the tomb like lazarus did you know in the scriptures which may be a reference people don't understand but Go like i it. said look it up it's so visibility is not it's is so valuable it was so valuable to me if one person before i died when i was in the closet looked at me and said i see you i hear you hmm. i love you that's it not i love you still or i love you however but i love you that's that's what's valuable to me is that visibility yeah and and still to this day and it being seen like that can really be a matter of life and death for people it really is and just to clarify for listeners who don't know i i don't think we actually clarified what we're talking about which is pope francis um made a statement in a recent documentary that is coming out or has come out or whatever in which he's he basically gave his approval for gay civil unions and that and that at gay the people legal level at the legal level and that gay people and, deserve to have family and, and hold on hold on right so here's what a lot of people don't understand about the pope the pope has a magnetizing force to his words that can actually pull particular countries in a certain direction because of their catholic prominence yeah. so he was not just the, the, the Pope doesn't have an individual identity. Mm. It's like even me. I, I'm connected to a community, so when I speak, I affect that community. Well, the Pope just happens to affect over a billion people right. in the world. Right. So when he, he was not just speaking, saying, you know, this is how I feel. That's not how it works when you're the Pope. He was calling for safety. Mm. In this regard, you know, because he's he's effect, he's effectively saying, legalize it, stop killing people. Yeah, yeah. Because that's happening. Look at Poland. Poland has this atrocious, dark rise of no of, LGBT zone yeah. kind of f- freaky thing going on, mm. and he's saying like, uh, I'm not. He's not just saying I want the courtrooms to honor gay people he's saying i want the bloodshed to end and that that's so important to talk about i agree as a privileged united states citizen homosexual i have to say that we have to acknowledge that and you know there's also i think that there is this element where even the because i remember back when he was first um oh what's the what's the proper word for being made pope 
what's the word for that? Oh God, I mean, back when I I know there's a Catholic word for that. Well, there probably is, but I would just say that he's when he was given papal authority. Yeah, when he was given papal authority, I remember him making these these kind statements to gay people and about gay people, and and it was international news. And and what's interesting to me about that is even though he didn't go far enough for me. He didn't, he didn't, but here's the thing. I think it was news because the, the bar for kindness from the Catholic church towards gay people was so low. Him just being kind, him just being like you're human and I acknowledge you coming from Catholic leadership, from Roman Catholic leadership. It's like the bar for kindness was so low that him just being like, yeah, you're human and I love you. That was international news. Yeah, I think that's fair, but a little bit unfair, and here's why. I, I agree with your principle, and I, I want to amen your pr- the principle of what you're saying. Mm. But the issue is, is that what really happened was this. You had Pope John Paul II, who was, in many ways, very love-centered. Absolutely. And then you had this bridge between JP II, John Paul II, and Cardinal Ratzinger, which became Pope Benedict, that's really what pushed it to the next level. It's this reaction from Francis, I believe, to going from John Paul II to this reactionary election of Pope Benedict of, of, of to Ratzinger. regress. Yeah. Regressive Ratzinger. <laughs> so you really see Pope Francis then as a as a reaction again as a loving reaction against kind of the 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 extremities of Ratzinger well especially in this space speaking to public airwaves um, sure I cannot be in the minds of the cardinals of course I have to be very careful sure but I can only say that the effect was reactionary yeah like go to the streets of Rome when Ratzinger was elected to be Pope Benedict I mean you had reactions from everything from um, you know, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to the church mm. to literally this is the best thing that has happened to the church. But most Catholics I talked to didn't want to fall into the social way of being that Ratzinger was. And I, and these are, you know, these are my equal brothers and sisters, but I'm not, you know, I'm not affiliated with Rome, but it does, it, it's very important to me the direction Rome goes because no matter how much I tell people I'm not Roman, they will all they will often associate me with Rome. I mean also it's just it's it's the flagship. I mean Rome is what Rome does and says affects all of us, even if we are even if we are anti Catholic. Like even if we are anti Catholic humanists. Like for example, um uh, 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 Pope Francis's encyclical about uh, climate change. Laudato Si. Yes, exactly. I mean, I haven't read it, but my understanding is that it was just an extraordinary defense of the science of climate change and and a rallying cry for us to globally do something about it. Well, that has an extraordinary impact on the entire world. Well, what's we one of the most fascinating things that's different about the election of a pope is this. Okay, let like let's just kind of like be theoretical here. Theoretically, in any election, 
that you have at the civil level, at the at the legal level, at the political level. Mm. You can have like freaking circus clown running against dumbass. <laughs> oh no, you don't have that. That feels eerily similar to our current political climate in the United <laughs> States. Anyway, go on. Yeah. So, I mean, popes, whether conservative or liberal, are massively intellectually vetted people. Yeah, they are. You don't. You have had bad popes, immoral popes, obviously. But in modern times, we've had great. We've never had a stupid pope. Intellectual. We've never had a stupid pope because no, we haven't. I mean, and and Ratzinger, you know, I'm I'm not Catholic and I'm not a clergy person, so I will just go ahead and I will give my opinion that I think Ratzinger was a dumpster fire. But I clarify dumpster fire. <laughs> yes, but the man was a brilliant scholar. Brilliant theologian. Oh, oh, brilliant, if brilliant. Sli- and he- if you slide away, I'm reading a Ratzinger book right now. If you take away Ratzinger's, Ratzinger's social tantrum, which is really what it is. Oh yeah, his his re- his reactionary elements. There's a great mind behind that. It's more than that. It's one of the greatest theological minds in the history of the church. You know, I've heard that. Yeah, it's very true. Um, and as somebody, one of the things you have to know about me, because I hope I come back, I can come back. Oh, absolutely. But, You're, you can come back anytime. Uh, well, I'm not going to come back once a week. But Sure. <laughs> but no, you're, you're welcome back anytime. The point, the, when you go, I want all listeners to watch The Two Popes. And I will give Stephen permission. On Netflix? Yeah. Okay. Permission to, I will give Stephen permission to uh, put out my email and everything. And we can, we can have conversations about it. But what you, what you need to know about me is my theological convictions as an old Catholic are right in between Ratzinger and Francis. I'm a combination of the two of them. One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, honestly, is because I got a con- I, I got a question on my Q and A episode several. This was several weeks ago now. F- basically, from a Satanist who was like, I didn't realize I had an anti-Christian bias until my a friend of mine came out as Christian to me and I responded really badly. And, and I, and he said, I am ashamed of this. I am ashamed for the first time as a Satanist. I feel ashamed because I, uh, I feel ashamed that I responded so negatively to a person's religious identity. And, and the question was, how do you deal with this? How do you deal with anti-Christian bias to me? And my answer was, you just have to get to know the good ones. You really do. You, I mean, there are many different ways of being Catholic, and I, and I was honest and said, you know, I have personally struggled with an anti-Catholic bias, especially because I was so hurt by the Catholic Church. But, but the answer is to just lean in. The ans- if you're able to, and not everyone is able to, and I understand that, and we really need to heal in our own ways from, from religious abuse. But for me, the best way that I've been able to heal is to just lean in to have into being friends with the good ones, you know, and that's the best way to overcome religious bias, to to lean in and and get to know the awesome evangelicals, the awesome Catholics. Here here's here's something that I think your viewers will listeners, I guess they could view maybe if they have some kind of mystical. That's my uh fans situation. only. Yeah. Yeah, they have to sign up for my fans only to view. Good. Sorry, go on. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> so basically, oh, I get it. Only fans. You you had it backwards. That's funny. God damn it. I'm such a fucking boomer. Okay, go on. <laughs> uh, so basically, 
one of the beauties of this is that um, all Catholics are good and bad people because yes. we all have that light and that darkness that shifts and rotates within us that we have a difficult time dealing with. And I think that's one of the values of some pagan ways of thinking that mm. this there's the shadow and the shining in all of us. Yes, the shadow and the light, the gold, the golden and the shadow. I said the shining just because we have a common. Just because we have a liking of the shining. Of the shining. So I've been meditating on a quote lately, and I would like to share this quote with you. Um, Great. Because I. I'll have to read it too. Yes, and I'll I'll send this to you so that you can actually sit down and read it. But I'll I'll read it um, on the show right now. And let's, it is after this. Let's go into the election. Yeah. So so after this, we'll move on to the election. So this is from uh, Solzhenitsyn. Um, Who's that? Alexander Solzhenitsyn. He was one of the great critics of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he wrote the Gulag Ar- Archipelago. He wrote a, a day in the life of Simon or of uh, a life I, some Russian name. I mean, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant critic of of fascism or not fascism but but of of authoritarianism and he was really one of the intellectuals just a towering intellectual who brought down the Soviet Union and here's what he says and just in this political climate in this political time i am finding that this quote gives me a helps me return to center solace yes he says gradually it was disclosed to me that the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. This line shifts inside us. It oscillates with the years. And even within hearts overwhelmed by evil, one small bridgehead of good is retained. And even in the best of all hearts, there remains an ununprooted small corner of evil. That, hold on, my cat is wanting in. Yeah. Bring her in. Good boy. This is Eli. He uh, he comes and hangs out with me every morning while Good. I get work done. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that quote just, Come here. it reemphasizes that, that we're individuals above and beyond being members of groups and that the the difference between good and evil is not whether you're part of this group or that group but the line between good and evil runs through every single human heart and this this encourages me to see people as individuals it, it right. encourages me to not judge them based on their group affiliation say they're part of a group that i think is absolutely reprehensible well guess what they still have a bit of good in them and i can it is my job it is my responsibility to seek out that good like like a like a honing missile and try to cultivate it and and try to appeal to that that's my job i think and i think that no matter who you are on the spectrum from you know non-theist all the way to what i am embodying in this chair right now yeah clergy i think there is a spiritual discipline to that i think that's one of the greatest spiritual disciplines is to relearn the language of love inside of our own hearts mm. toward our neighbor. I mean, Mr. Rogers, I, I always... The great spiritual prophet, Mr. I, Rogers. I think that I always tell Bishop, I say two things. I say, number one, the church should honorarily canonize him as a saint. <laughs> yes. And the second thing is, I say, 
I say Bishop, you know, he really was like a unofficial priest to children. He and was. To people. He absolutely but was. But he talked about there's this divine spark within us. Yes. And um, it's true. Mm. I believe it to be true. You don't have to believe it to be true. But I, I do believe that everyone listening to this and both people sitting in this room genuinely believe that there is a sense of longing for ho- a home yes and for a space and for love and affirmation that i mean it it it, it defies it defies this divide that we have I which is what i want to talk agree. about i'd yes. like to talk about now which is here let me tell let me just like just vent one of my pet peeves about this please these last 4 years even into 2015, Trumpism and all that. This is when I, I, I'm so frustrated about um, this one thing right here. I hear constantly, we are more divided than we have ever been. Mm. That's a lie. Mm. And I know you want to ask questions about. I'm, I am holding my questions and, okay. and letting you, you, yeah, letting you talk. When you have a empire-like, Nebuchadnezzar-like, look it up, look it up. <laughs> that's, that's the one thing about theological people. You're, I'm always having me to like, look it up, girl, look it up. <laughs> we we have a empire-like, Nebuchadnezzar-like leader in our land that has not successfully divided us, but people want us to believe that. And let me, let's just point to the Lincoln Project really quickly. Yes. Lifelong Republicans who literally said on a video recently we would have endorsed bernie sanders wow why <laughs> because they believe that bernie sanders actually gives a damn about this country yeah so when you have black and white and lgbt and straight and republicans and democrats and like demographics that i can't even think of coming together to take down and to to take down an empire like a Nebuchadnezzar like leader, mm. like Trump, it's not fair to say that we're more divided than we ever have been. Factions of us are, mm. but as a whole, I can sit down with a Republican, who I used to not have anything in common with, and say we don't like this guy. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think I really need right now that kind of positive reframing. So I appreciate that because things just feel so pessimistic. And and honestly, like the closer we the closer we get to the election, by the way, this is going to be the pre-election episode uh, on Patreon. I mean, this is coming out, I think, the day before the election. Yeah, I also give you permission if you want to put it to the other one, too. If okay. On the other that. side. On on the sacred tension side. Okay. This sure. is fine. It is eleven forty one. And how about if I stop the recording? We can take a break and then we can just come back and, and keep recording. Okay, so we're going to uh bring this specific recording to a a real fast close and uh we'll be right back. Check, 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 check. Yep. Yep. All right. right. Okay, here we are. We're back. Here we are. We are back from our break. We had to uh, eat bananas and take a piss and drink some coffees. But, and we are here. <laughs> we drink coffee so we can pee more. Exactly. I guess. Drinking out of a cauldron. Yes. You're, you're drinking out of my cauldron mug. Do you know who um, 
Baba Vanga is? I don't. Eastern looks like a guru. Yeah, Eastern. So she's on my coffee mug right here. She was a blind mm. Eastern Orthodox oh, or, no, or no Russian way. Orthodox uh, prophetess, and I just and, and like a uh, folk prophetess, and I just love her look. I just yeah, I, no doubt. I she's she's metal as fuck, and she's that, and she's entranced mm-hmm. all the way. All the way. I got to learn about her. Was she canonically orthodox? No. Uh, I have no idea. I bet. I have no clue. Those Eastern people get it. I don't know what that means. They, they like, get it. They're really, they really have such a, such a broader mind to, like, mysticism and things. Yeah. No, that's true. Western that is true. people are lame. I agree with that. Bad. Yeah. You know, trying to, you know, I'm a non-theistic mystic. That rhymes. Non-theistic mystic. Mm-hmm. But Every time he says that, I just get tickled. <laughs> and if, trying, if, if you can pull that off, a non-theistic mysticism, you can pull off anything, and I'm impressed. I'm very <laughs> impressed. <laughs> well, you know, I just had a long conversation with Shiva Honey um, mm-hmm. a week or two ago uh, on right. the show about it, and and she's, you know, I would say she's pretty spooky and mystical too, and she's she's a Satanist, she's a non-theist, and and we are really working hard to normalize non non-theism and mysticism and trance states, etc. And Western atheists just aren't having it. <laughs> the, it. Here's here's what's interesting. Here here's what I will say, and this is not a definitive, but it's close. You can have an organization without mysticism. You can't have a movement without it. Hmm. It's just the way that it is. Even the civil rights movement had kind of this mystical undergirding of yeah, and, movement. Yeah, and you know, each movement has to have its poets, doesn't it? it each That's movement... what I was getting ready to hit on. The yeah. whole idea that rising out of the human soul is this sound, this vibration, this melody. And I mean, just look at the song like, I'm not going to let anybody turn me around. Yeah. Like the, 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 the songs of the civil rights movement, rising, rising out of the soil of... Of, of 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 the where of soil that was trod by slaves mm. you don't get you don't get flat emotionless non-spiritual non-mystic mystical reality from that kind of oppression yeah it presses out of us that yeah yeah and you know every movement you're right every movement My- needs its mystics and its mysticism and its- is the about the ability to keep singing about the ability to keep mm. mantraing to keep poeting to keep mm-hmm. the vibration mm-hmm. going even even when shit is real fucking dark uh, yeah yeah especially when shit is real dark speaking you know? of dark we're going yes. we are <laughs> in, we have been in like one big valley of the shadow of death kind of situation with for the last Four and a half years, five years. Yeah, I mean, for real. And all right, so let's talk about the election. This Mm. is, um, so we have decided that this is not just going to be a House of Heretics episode. We are airing this uh, publicly on the main show on Sacred Tension, unless uh, unless we decide otherwise. But uh, because I think that this conversation is important and and needs to get out there. And so, Castello, you are... A Catholic clergy person, um, and and while you may not be able to to uh, 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 oh what's the word while you can't um, endorse a candidate, you can unendorse a candidate. <laughs> Here's the thing, you know, I I look at Aquinas, look him up. Most people would know. How about do you say Aquinas. his name? Aquinas. Is it Aquinas or Aquinas? I've always said Aquinas. 
Aquinas. Aquinas? Okay. We're saying the same thing. How are we not? Aquinas? Aquinas. That's how I say it. Aquinas. Okay. Aquinas. We're talking about the same... We're, Thomas Aquinas. We, yes. Look at him. Look at his uh, desire to commentate on the moral and ethical direction of the world. Mm. It is so appropriate for faith and spiritual leaders to recognize when things are going wrong. Mm. And they are. Way wrong. And that's why I say uh, I've been using kind of the Twitterable phrase of I'm not endorsing Biden, endorsing Biden. I'm unendorsing Trump. Yep. Let's definitely. talk about that. So you are unendorsing Trump. And honestly, a vote for Biden right now is a vote against Trump. We are we are. A, uh, a, you a, said it. I did a vote against Biden or a vote for Biden is an unendorsement of Trump because Biden, you know, he is not. He is he is not the the mighty hero we need to carry us through this dark season. What were those what were those weird guys on Winnie the Pooh? The weird guys on Winnie the, the Pooh. The dark guys scrumpa lumpalisses or uh, something. I have no idea. Remember what you're they, they were about. some weird uh, let me just put it to you this okay. way. <laughs> I don't care if you vote for Winnie the Pooh. I am definitely writing in Winnie the Pooh. It, it is better than what we're dealing with because it's not my cat would make a better president than trump yeah and and, there's, and cats are serial there's killers. reasons there's reasons for that let's unfold that ask me questions yeah so okay ask me ethical questions okay so morally uh more let's talk about let's try to go the direction of moral theology here okay oh where do i want to go with this in what ways do you feel like trump is not just anti-human but actually anti-christian how is he antichrist? Well, the the it's that's an interesting question because the first thing we it's what's is that is beautiful about Jesus is that Jesus was human. Right. The humanity and divinity of Jesus coming together, co mingling is what? Like the great tenet of Christianity. Mm. So um being anti human is anti Christian. Yeah. So we have to fuse those together. However, to talk about distinctives the first thing is is that um, the sowing of quarreling and division between people mm. is not what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus, when Jesus came and had his arch nemesis in the narrative, which were the Pharisees and Sadducees who were very oppressive of people and very law-centered and didn't understand the spirit of things— um, it was a like Jesus came in an already divisive society, and he was against that. Hmm. Yeah. So what what are you going to do if Trump wins? The same thing I have been doing. The same thing you have been doing, which, which is, is to continue to love people one person at a time and try to live nonviolently and try to and, and that's important. Oh gosh, you know I'm I'm getting like a. I just got like intellectual Stephen Bradford long induced brain freeze when you said that. Because <laughs> please, like, please ask that last question again because it just like shook me. Yeah. What are you going to do if Trump wins? Oh, yeah. Okay. So here's the deal. Here's what I want to encourage everyone to do. You do it. I do it. People do it in many different ways, many different, uh, different colors and shades of expression when it comes to this. Don't be routineless in this hour. What does that mean? Have have your ritual. Have a ritual. Yes, Whoever I agree. Whoever the bleep 
you are. Can you got one of those cusser bleepers? Nope. Clergy cusser bleeper? Nope. Whoever you are, <laughs> wake up with some sense of good news. It's so tempting right now to get up and run to CNN. Yes. And to start the panic. Yes. I'm saying before the panic, break out the ritual. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't care what your tradition is, whether you're like I do the divine office morning and evening. That can be looked up too. I do the same prayer rhythm that monks do. Yeah. In 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 the Roman tradition and in the Eastern tradition. That's wonderful. We have a, so like I would say bookshelf your day. Begin with that begin breathing that refreshing breath of I'm human, I'm loved, I affirm myself. I would say that wake up knowing that God loves you. You don't have to say that, but in the morning and evening, wake up with that sense of hope and of humanity. And direction. And direction. Yeah. And go go to bed with it. But um, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think this brings me to the whole, um, to the whole, uh, what do I, you know, how has Trump affected hmm. me? Yeah. So you and I are both gay. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like the gains that I experienced just as a gay person, you know, collectively that we that we experienced as gay people uh, under Obama and Obama was not perfect. Obama was was far from perfect, but he did under his presidency. We did make some incredible gains. Right. That is just true. <sighs> How has your mental health been? It's it's been really interesting. This for the first time in my life because I'm almost 28. I'll be 28 in less than a month. Happy birthday! Happy early birthday! That's creepy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, uh, this. I, I mean, it's really weird and it's scary. Hmm. But I I've never thought about the temporary nature of my life so much. It's really weird that you say that, actually. <laughs> And I know that we're kind of getting far afield from Trump, but I find myself going to bed every night intensely aware of my mortality, not in a depressive way, not in a morbid way, but just intensely aware of the fact that someday I will die. So here's the deal. Okay. Any theology or philosophy of death that doesn't include resurrection Mm. is not Christian. So you ask about Donald Trump being... Christian or not, he leads our minds to a place of death, and there's there's not resurrection. The only hope, if you are a Trump supporter, is if you have this resurrecting nature of money. You have to be of a certain class. And what's really been sad for me is to see the poor and the downtrodden buy into, I'm just going to call it out, it's a lie. The whole thing has been a lie. Yes, the whole thing is one big con. The entire... He calls it, a, He. it's like he kept saying during the impeachment, and he still talks about it, a sham. Talk about a sham. Yes, it talk about a... From the very beginning, this idea that Trump was somehow the going to quote unquote drain the swamp when the reality is he is the swamp. There is no one more swampy than Trump. There's well, no one more insider than Trump. Well, and from a from a Christian perspective, Catholic perspective, I I want to say that anyone who claims that they're the savior when there's only one, mm. 
is vehemently heretical. Mm. And it's just to to um I do it's really strange to label Trump as as heretical when he is not an authority. I as a I okay, but I think he is. As a satanist, I will go ahead and call him heretical and not in the good way because I don't even think he's a theist. Right. I don't, I don't think there's He's in, our first atheist president is yes. what you told me the And other I day. and I wish that he um and I and I wish that we actually had a good atheist president because I personally would love to see more atheists in leadership, but but he really might be like our first truly atheist president. He doesn't give a fuck about religion. He doesn't give a fuck about God. There's and, and this pandering to the evangelical base and to the religious base is is a a completely cynical and destructive manipulation. Well, and I mean Jesus Jesus was the opposite of manipulation. Hmm. He, he he was there, he was upfront, he was vulnerable. And p- people are hungering for vulnerability and truth right now. And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to come on. Because I want to, even though it's not enough, I want to at least begin the process of healing by verbally apologizing to everyone who has encountered clergy who's not willing to be vulnerable. It's massively damaging. Mm-hmm. We represent the most vulnerable God, the most vulnerable expression of God, Jesus. Jesus was vulnerable enough to come and die mm. for people. That's my theology. So for a representative of Christ, literally, my mm. faith says that I embody the persona Christi, the person of Jesus. That's what Catholic priests are supposed to do. And vulnerability is one of the first embodiments of Jesus. So a person who's not vulnerable and truthful like Donald Trump is antichrist is anti-jesus so um and i want to go back to this question how has how has your how has how has your mental health been under trump well i've had my moments of and i'm in that now that's why i'm in Asheville. that's why the story is that my uh partner and i came just to spend the night and i just told him i said i need you to to go back home to to work you do your thing your life and I'm going to stay in the mountains, and I'm going to contemplate. I'm going to dream. I'm going to mm. experience peace because I have had to say to myself, time out, like three or four times in the last year because it's so scary that not only that um, we would go toward greater damage, but that we would have a true eradication of all that we have built. Yeah. All the, the justice people, all the— all the uh, love-centered people mm. during the Obama years have built. Mm. I mean, it, there's nothing worse than a beautiful bridge that's sturdy mm. and uniting people being torn down by evil. So I have not... So we are recording this on Wednesday, the 28th, um, the week before the election. And... We just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I, if if someone were to put a gun to my head and ask me, where is this going to go? I All I can say is I have I can say with a certain measure of confidence that Biden is going to wear, win the majority vote. That's it. We don't know where the Electoral College is going to go. We don't know what the Supreme Court is going to do if, if something is contested, especially with Amy Coney Barrett now nominated we we just 
we just don't know. And the level of uncertainty that I am living with right now, the only thing that I can handle listening to right now are vapid British women's mystery novels because that is the only thing that doesn't stress me out right now. And so, you know, like I, I'm audio booking a British mystery novel about a, a woman who's going on a vacation and a cruise ship and the, and the, and the woman in the room next to her dies and she has to figure out what happened. It's like, this is the extent of my mental capacity right now because the stress is making me go crazy. And yeah. So uh, let's just do like our, our own, in general spiritual this is one of the things that i teach people in spiritual direction because we get so caught up in the dark imaginative world of what we don't know yes which is the what ifs and there's no resolve there like there's there's no escaping it so let's focus on a couple things that we know and like kind of pull back the layers of the onions Mm. of what we what we know Mm. okay so here's here's what we know i am an individual in a collective society who has one vote Yes. I cannot force this moral arc to bend towards justice in this country and move. I, I cannot elect Joe Biden myself to be a resident of the White House. Yeah. Right. The second thing we know is that, that in, in the history of America, there has never been a greater, broader, more diverse coalition around a candidate than is around Joe Biden, which sounds tempting to mm. disagree with because of Obama. But here's the thing. Biden has what Obama had plus. It's true. Some it's You true. have Republicans, Democrats, independents, people of all shades and colors. The pe- There are people who are vo- supposed to vote for Biden that will. Yeah. People who are not supposed to vote for Biden who will. Yeah. So— I think until election day, we have to rest in the beauty of that coalition. I really like that positive reframing. Like this is this this fight really is bringing people together. It's bringing a lot of conservatives and progressives and liberals and minorities together all to overcome the great enemy. You know, it it really is like an alien invasion and uh, <laughs> and like all the countries of the world joining together, getting over their disagreements to, to defeat this monster. The place that I'm in is that um, I recognize that Trumpism, if it lasted 100 years, cannot erase the ability for humans to come together and to fight together, which is not really the word. The civil rights word would be struggle because mm. fight sounds violent. Yeah. Struggle. So what we that's what we do know. We know three things. Uh, Biden has the greatest coalition around him. I only have one vote. And the last thing that we know is that um, that which tr- that Trumpism cannot Trump Trumpism doesn't have the capability to deconstruct the humanity that is present in the world. Yeah, it's not possible. Yeah, he can't. He can't, he can't do defeat it. Defeat the human spirit, you know. So, but back to the fear part. the The fear for me is not will Biden win on paper or not. I believe he will. Okay. First of all, look at Georgia, hmm. Texas. Right. 
the I read uh, read two articles last night. One was that Democrats are beginning to be optimistic d- despite the 2016 scar. Right. And the other thing that I read was, hey, Biden could win Texas and Georgia and North Carolina, but he doesn't have to. If he wins one of those, Texas, Georgia, or North Carolina, we can party. Yeah. We can drink. I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. Just don't drink one shot for every electoral college vote because then you will. I'm I'm not even going to do one shot for Biden because... I that will kill me because of the meds I'm on. <laughs> but yeah, okay, so so basically what I'm hearing is this, I mean, I personally need this and I think other people need it too. Just this positive reframing because is and and let's go ahead and go to the worst case scenario. Trump wins. He can't defeat the human spirit. He can't defeat this this incredible coalition that has been built up. And um you know when when Trump first won in 2016, Nadia Boltzweber tweeted something which I thought was just so powerful. And I love Nadia Boltzweber. And and she said, we just have to love harder. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to, we just have to love harder. Yeah, and to piggyback on her, who, whom I really love, I think Nadia possesses, or sh- I should say occupies, a certain space that very few people do, living in between this ancient and modern expression of faith so to piggyback on her, I think what Nadia is really saying is, uh, say what, say what she said again. We just have to love harder. I think what Nadia is saying is we need to just keep increasing what we were born to do, and that's what people need to know. That love is what you were born to do and be. Yeah, that's who. That's what you were. I mean, we the the goal of all this is that we would not just love one another. Like in this kind of nonchalant, ideological, warm feeling between one another. But we would actually become love, which includes this sacrifice and the suffering of. And that's one, I think it's encouraging for me that what I want people to know is there's two things right now in this moment. You are not going to enter into this next season of life, these next. 90 days, these next four years, whether Biden or Trump gets elected without suffering. Mm. But you can live it with joy. Yeah. And I mean, look at the life of Mother Teresa. Very joyful woman. Very hard to get along with. Tremendous amount of suffering. A lot of anxiety. And that's where I am right now. Our anxieties collectively and our anxiety individually does not have to be the enemy of our joy. Yeah, they, and what it, what is let's talk about what joy means a second. Stephen, turn the tables a little. I'm being a queen here. What does joy <laughs> mean to you? Because I want I kind of want to hear from you sure. because sure I, I want there's I don't want the Christian triumphantism to <laughs> bleed too much through in this interview. Even yeah. though I am like yeah, well, I have the superior opinion here. And no, I'm kidding. Of course you do. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Um, what does joy mean to me? Joy means, joy means being centered and it doesn't mean highs and lows of emotion. There's, there's a difference to me between joy and mania. And as someone who, oh, I love that because I'm as a bipolar person, yes, exactly. I'm, and I'm all in, you know, that. exactly what I'm talking about. And, and I think for, and you know, I live with mental health issues as well. And I, I think for many years I mistook joy for mania. 
And I now understand, especially as I have fallen into the rhythm of a of a religious practice and into the rhythm so important and, so yeah, beautiful and into the rhythm of ritual that joy for me is actually this 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 stillness and this centeredness and this well-being that doesn't really have much to do with emotion it's it's deeper than that and i don't know how to describe it other than other than that that to me is joy. Yeah, I mean, such a similar definition. What I would say is that joy is us being rooted in that which is unchanging. Yes, exactly. And I think that there's such a beauty in that. It's one of the one of the things that you know, distinguishing joy and happiness is such a such a beautiful. It really is, and and distinguishing joy and mania. I'm more joyful the more I've suffered in this past four years. It's a very Catholic thing for you to say, right? But um, doesn't mean that I am chasing suffering down, but I'm accepting it and understanding that no matter what, I who I am cannot be taken from me. So what do your so the practices that that center you? The practices that that get you, you know, at the very beginning of this section, we were talking about, um, you, you were encouraging people to find their spiritual practices and their religious practices. What are your practices? Well, I mean, first of all, silence. One of the things that's so interesting to me about silence is that it's the one thing that is literally the same. It has never changed. When you sit in silence, it's the same silence that uh, Francis of Assisi sat in. Mm. It's the same silence that um, Saint Tikhon, which is an Eastern Eastern uh, saint. I mean, it's the same silence that Mahatma Gandhi sat in. Mm. It's something that we can share intergenerationally, and it's like silence is like the one thing that has figured out how to time travel. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, silence begin there. I think. Anyone who wants to meditate or do the silence thing, con- contemplation or whatever, what I tell people is five minutes and build. You can literally say, okay, you can say, you can start with five minutes of silence and build by one minute every day for a month. Yeah. Five minutes the first day, six minutes the second. Then all of a sudden at the end of the month, you're meditating more than you ever have in your life. Some great great people yeah. Richard R- Richard Rohr meditates 20 minutes in silence in the every morning that's it that's the first thing he does it's nothing special I do the divine office which is a rhythm that's a little bit hard to explain we pray the Psalms yeah talk talk some about the, the divine he- office for people who don't know there's 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 Hebrew poetry ancient Hebrew poetry mm. that it's called Psalms and many of them are written by David they were written, written by many people so we have this rotation of these psalms, and we have response, call and response mm. surrounding that, and scripture surrounding that, where um, you go through that in the morning and in the evening. We call them lots and vespers. Lots is just morning prayer. Vespers is just evening prayer. And you go through this structured prayer rhythm, preferably with other people. I do it alone because uh, I don't have the luxury of doing it with other people right now, but it's just, it's the prayer rhythm that the monks do, praying out the ancient Hebrew poet poetry in the Bible. 
the Psalms. Mm. I do the Jesus prayer with the Jesus rope. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The first part with an inner breath, the second part with an outer breath. People, I don't care who you are or where you come from. Please utilize your breath. Yes. In your spiritual practice. It's universal. It is the universal anchor. In the Old Testament, it's the Ruach HaKadosh, Mm -hmm. the breath of God. In the New Testament, it's Pnevma or um, Pneuma, where we get like the word pneumonia. So there's this identity to God in my tradition that God is breath. He's life. Mm. And uh, so just... (laughs) breathing and using your breath inside of your and of course i pray the rosary i really think that um all people from all different walks of spirituality theists or not should study mary the reason is is because mary is the greatest example of an individual who built her life around the promotion of another person her life was centered on her son and promoting him and she's kind of this silent yet loud figure Mm. she's hidden but she's so not hidden yeah so she's it's beautiful pick up books about mary i mean mary mary's great and anybody who has a theistic or non-theistic mysticism to her will recognize her as one of the great mystics of all time kierkegaard called her one of the great night one of the few great knights of faith knights of faith knights of faith k-n-i-a G-H. K yes, uh, mm. t- he talks about. I I think it's in. It's either in sickness unto death or fear and trembling. He uh, yeah, her Abraham and and I think one other person. Here's the deal. Here's what's really really fascinating to me. Most spiritual people are just trying to be okay. Yes. Instead of being transformed. Mm. No no no, folks. And even it, even if you suffer greatly which I don't claim to, but sometimes I wonder because of, of my health, my mental health. Do I suffer greatly? I, do, I don't know. But here's the thing. I'm not walking around trying to be okay. I'm really trying to walk around and become a better human every day. And be transfigured. Yes. And hmm. So I guess to, to bring this in for a landing, I guess what I'm hearing you say and what, I'm, what I think the theme of this episode is is to just encourage people to go to go go to their quiet places go to um their rituals the thing the rituals that give them life the stillness the silence go up the mountain and um we can get through this election together no matter where it goes we can but i i do want to preface that the silent place is very loud until you cancel out the noise oh yeah and it's your job it's real fucking hard and it's it's hard and uh, but uh, I really like one of, uh, it's not Merton, but who's the other contemplative centering prayer guy? Merton Nowen. Nope. Um, 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 Catholic? Mm-hmm. Skin thin guy. Oh, uh, I have his, I have one of his books. I know exactly who you're, t- Jesuit? No? Mm. I'm, I'm not thinking of the same person then. Thomas Keating. Yes, that's him. Yeah. I think, wasn't he a Jesuit? I thought he was a That's Jesuit. possible. I mean, he, okay, go on. Okay. One of my favorite things that, that Keaton had is a woman came to him and said, Father Keaton, when I meditate, I get distracted a thousand times. He said, oh, wonderful. She looked at him like, what in the hell? <laughs> he goes, a thousand times to return to God. 
You know, I that that kind of reminds me of what I used to teach in my yoga class back when I had yoga classes, which is I compared meditation to driving or I compared the yoga practice to driving. And it's like you're constantly making these micro adjustments back onto the road. You're you start to get distracted and veer off just a bit and then you just make a micro adjustment back onto the road. So, That's the way it is. That, so that means you're meditating. My my illustration of it is this. So there's a story in the New Testament called the story of the prodigal son. Basically, you have a father who's wealthy, and one of the sons says, I want you to give my, me my inheritance early. So he leaves, and he lives a crazy life, and he ends up in a pigsty, and he's in a mess. When he turns back to the father's house, um, there's this kind of, the lights are on for him. He's re-received. He's got a ring and a robe. So when I talk to people, I say, okay, when you're distracted in meditation or contemplation or prayer, it's like you veered off into the pigsty. When you turn back, you will not meet a disappointed God, but you will meet a God who embraces you and throws a party for your return. So there's a party waiting on you when you return from the place of distraction. And even God is even able to live and bring holiness to our distractions. So in this time... I love that as a metaphor for meditation. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. In this time, my final encouragement is to don't be afraid to be you, to know that you can make a decision to be that unchanging, solid force. And no matter what happens in the next few days... They cannot change this struggling, nonviolent army of people who have come together and to say, like they did during the civil rights movement, before I be a slave, I'll be buried in my grave and go home to my Lord and be free. Keep focused on what you know and who you are and who you love. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Remember the words of Julian of Norwich. All shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. I think that's a great note to end on. Castello, thank you so much for joining me. This and has been great. Thank you. This is such a long time coming. I, I hope Stephen can include at the end my email, and um, I want to hear from you. I want to hear... From you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Don't be afraid to be hurt, offended, or to struggle with my faith, because I do too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I will. I will include his email in the show notes. And that is it for this show. The music is by the Jelly Rocks and Eleven D Seven. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to music. This is a production of Rock Candy Recordings, and it is written by me, Stephen Bradford Long. And uh, as always, I have to thank my patrons. This is only possible because of them. This show is also sponsored by the Satanic Temple.tv. It is a streaming platform by and for the Satanic Temple. And for anyone who is interested in the in a, the occult and new religious movements and ritual, they have all kinds of amazing stuff on there. And you can get one month free by using my promo code Sacred Tension, all caps, no space. All right, that is it for this show. As always, hail Satan. We'll see you next week.